Hello, welcome to the Kaiju Transmissions Podcast. My name is Kyle Bird. My name is Matt Parmley. Sorry. Welcome. You got possessed by uh, George Takei <laughs> for a minute there. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm glad you could join, Matt. How are you? Uh, I'm rested. I, I fell asleep and took a nap. Nice. And missed an entire episode. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I am uh, a week into nursing a horrible case of pink eye, which I've never had before. And, uh, yeah, this is a truly awful experience. Do they give you, like, medicine? Yeah, okay. So, so, uh, I, so, like I said, I've had it for about a week. And, like, uh, I don't think it's anything I got, like, in Chicago. It was, like... We came back from G-Fest. The day after, like, my right eye was feeling, like, kind of mildly irritated. And I was like, oh, it's probably just allergies, whatever. Then I woke up Wednesday, and I looked like I someone had hit me in the eye with a baseball bat or something. And it was super painful. And I was like, oh, wow, this is, can't be good. So I went to urgent care. And they're like, yeah, that you have pink eye. <laughs> so they gave me eye drops. First of all, one of the reasons I have glasses and not contacts is I am, like, super sensitive about anything coming near my eye. So, like, when I go to the eye doctor and they need, like, if I need to get my eyes dilated or something, like, they need to, like, restrain me. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I'm not too good with eye drops, but I've been trying to make it work. Um, and then, like, it feels a lot better, but it's still, like... Uh, swollen, it's still uncomfortable, it's still watery. So I went back today, and they're like, yeah, that should have been gone a while ago, and uh, the doctor said it's the reddest eye she's ever seen. Oh, dear. (laughs) Uh. And And then she was like, your other eye's a little, like, discolored like how does that and i'm like it feels normal but it's a little on the itchy side she's like it looks like it might be spreading to your other eye so i'm like oh wow that's not good and so uh she prescribed me a different kind of eye drops and then uh also because and it's just as as horrible as it sounds uh i was also prescribed eye ointment uh and that is like your kind of neosporin kind of ointment, but you put it on your eye. And so it's like, I don't know, something in the cosmos is just like making fun of the fact that my eyes are so comfortable with anything 
in going near them. Um, so yeah, I, I, I've been, uh, dealing with that. Um, and I've, I've, uh, it's just been horrible. I would give that a zero out of five. I don't <laughs> recommend it for anybody. Bird, did they tell you to like come back tomorrow if you don't see any improvement at all? <laughs> they said sounds... after 24 hours, they were like, look, if, if nothing has changed in like 24 hours or so, go to the ER. They'll probably have like an eye specialist there that can like really look at this. Um, and they can even give you like an, uh, an eye, like they can keep you there for a little bit and keep, put you on like an IV antibiotic. So I don't know. I'm, I'm going to take it a step at a time. Um, uh, yeah, I, it's one of those things where, uh, I was off work for, for G Fest and then it was like, I was off work for like another week cause of this. And then, um, I might. I don't know. Depending on how I feel tomorrow, I might I might use more PTO tomorrow. I don't know. I actually, despite like you know, no one likes to work. I actually hate missing work because it means when I go back to work, I have to do more stuff. <laughs> so so it's it's just been a miserable experience all around. Um, but you know, I guess uh, I guess uh, I don't know. If I do have to miss work, I can sit and watch some dumb shit on TV, and that'll you know. That's always nicer than working, right? I needed pink eye to realize I don't have work. What have they done to us? Anyway. That's that's, that's about how that goes. Uh, anyway. Oh, um, last time I had pink eye, it was the first sign of uh, getting COVID, so. Oh, oh yeah, because that was, uh, there's like a different strain or whatever that has that like in it because I guess uh, they, they decided... Um, you know, it already didn't have enough. It wasn't a pain in the ass enough already. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, none of the doctors I've seen have, have been, you know, have thought of it was really a COVID thing. But, um, yeah, no, but, yeah, it's it's a miserable experience. Um, but uh, here we are. Uh, of course, that was the voice of um, our friend Kevin. Uh, Kevin Derendorf, welcome back, sir. Um it's good to have you with us. It, it feels like I was just here moments ago. I know, right? Um, and then we're also joined by our friend Lux Edwards. Um, who, hello, hello. Yeah, who just had to sit through like an hour and a half of me and Kevin talking about a convention that they weren't there for. So I was Lux, there you, with you in spirit. Aww. You should have taken the nap, Lux. <laughs> they might have. We, you know, I... I, I I'm suspicious. Um, anyway, so uh, yeah, uh, uh, we are finally talking about Shin Kamen Rider today. Um, uh, in our last episode with the G-Fest coverage, we did do a news roundup um, where we talked about all the, the news. Um, but one thing I saved uh, because uh, Matt's the only other person that has seen it is um, I do think it would, it would, uh, it would be... Um, uh, a mistake for us to not talk about Oppenheimer a little bit. Um, you know, we, we, we aren't going to get into like a full review kind of thing, but just a little mini review. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I saw it over the weekend. I, I, I Barbenheimered. I actually, I didn't do it properly because I watched one on Saturday and the other on Sunday. A proper Barbenheimer, you got to do them both. Um, so it was like a half Barbenheimer. Um, I enjoyed both movies uh, uh, quite a bit. 
Um, Oppenheimer, uh, yeah, I mean, um, uh, I was a little on the fence just because, um, to be honest, I really haven't liked a Nolan movie very much since Inception. I didn't see Tenet. I've seen everything else. Like, I don't know. There's going to be uh, disagreements, obviously, but uh, his whole filmography of the 20, from Dark Knight Rises through Dunkirk, like I said, didn't see Tenet, was kind of a bust for me. So I was, you know, ready to kind of be like, eh, whatever, he's, he's, uh, you know, uh, he's done, he's over. I, I, but I enjoyed Oppenheimer quite a bit. Um, and then the other thing was I... I I talked on our G-Fest recap about how, like, the last three months I've been, like, neck deep in research for this Godzilla Redacted panel that me and Steve Rifle did at G-Fest, um, uh, which, if you didn't hear our last episode, that will be uploaded as part of the podcast, and also video will be uploaded for the Kaiju Masterclass YouTube, so uh, keep an eye out for that. But, um, but yeah, just uh, knowing how the Pentagon kind of gets their hands in uh, a lot of Hollywood movies. I, I was like, eh, you know, do I want to watch an Oppenheimer movie that's, you know, had the Pentagon in control of its script? Um, and uh, luckily, uh, that wasn't the case. Um, you know, uh, when uh, I interviewed Matt Alford, who produced the Theaters of War documentary for Kaiju Masterclass, that's also not out yet, but it will be soon. Uh, but yeah, he said... You know, uh, they they weren't involved with Oppenheimer, and I was like, okay, that's a relief. So, uh, so I made my way to see Oppenheimer, um, and uh, yeah, it's a very Nolan movie in terms of editing, sound sound design, ugh, um, uh, style. But um, overall, though, it was a really good biopic, and um, uh, really uh, ended. Uh, and a, a very chilling note. Um, so I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, Matt, you saw it, I think a couple days after I did. Um, but yeah, what, what did you think of the movie? I really liked it. Um, I actually, uh, my mom actually went with me. So Sarah's watching the kiddos. And so, uh, my mom wanted to see if she loves historical dramas and stuff. And, uh, both of us actually really enjoyed it. And the thing that I liked about it was it seemed to be, uh, true to history as, as best you really can with, with like a, a drama. Cause obviously there's always going to be some little changes to make it more accessible for a, a feature film. But, uh, the, they, you know, if you dig into where they had the, got all their information, like the, the trials that you see in the film are basically read verbatim from what was actually said, which I thought was really interesting. Um, and it doesn't paint Oppenheimer as like this, heroic patriot or anything trying to save America, it does a pretty good job of painting him as he was, which was a very flawed uh, human being. And I mean, they, they note his womanizing, his uh, relationship with his um, kind of tumultuous relationship with his wife. Uh, the fact that, you know, he wasn't always sure where he stood about the bomb, but it was kind of like once Pandora's box was open and Germany had figured out a way to, to, crack the atom it was like well everybody else is going to do it so we're going to kind of push forward um i thought it was a really not just good movie but i thought it did a pretty good job of telling history as as true as you can be in a movie you know like that that's how it felt anyway uh, yeah i was reading like um 
I don't know, those fact versus fiction, like, how accurate it was, and, like, really, the only inaccuracies were, like, really minor things, like, I think one of the conversations he has with Einstein in the movie, he he had with, like, a different scientist in real life, um, and there was, like, a... It's stuff like that, like that's you know maybe a little like it, the dramatic license it takes is like very small, um, but yeah no I, I I thought everyone was really great in it. I mean it's definitely an actors movie. Killian uh, Murphy, Robert Downey Jr., Florence Pugh, Emily Blunt were all really fantastic, um, and yeah it, it really kind of. Um, it, it it it's not a movie that is comfortable making a definitive, you know, this guy was good or this guy was bad version of this person. It, it shows that he was, uh, you know, his his uh, his stance on the bomb before and after its creation uh, would change. His um, political beliefs weren't always consistent. Um, you know, it shows that he really wasn't the best father, you know, he, he I mean, it, it shows him as he was, which was a complicated person, and at the end of the day, um, the mo- like like you said, the, mo- the movie kind of has that, like, Pandora's box is opened, and it pretty much doomed mankind, <laughs> the kind of view of, of things, um, uh, and um, you know, I, I think uh, I think it 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 didn't take the easy way out with a lot of those things. It, it would be very easy to present it as, um, you know, I mean, I, for decades we hear you know arguments both for and against the atomic bomb. I mean, I've said many times, you know, I, I think the the use of the atomic bomb in Japan was an atrocity no matter what way you look at it, in my opinion. Um, but, uh, but the movie presents all of those things. You know, this is why we shouldn't have done it. And then, you know, there's also, you know, the military people saying, well, here's why we should have done it. And, and it's, it's, it's doing what history does. It's saying, okay, audience, maybe you, you should decide, do you think this was the right thing to do? Um, I guess I guess what I'm trying to say is that it it delivers the message that uh, yeah this is an event that probably doomed us all and ruined the world, um, but uh, it's not preachy, um, and and I I appreciated that. Yeah, they do a pretty good job of covering like what basically what choices the u.s had whether to use the bomb not to use the bomb and if they weren't going to use it like they they briefly talk about well why don't we just detonate it off a remote island to show them that we have this um that like that kind of thing and i thought that the truman piece where oppenheimer has a conversation with, with truman was really like man that <laughs> yeah uh anyway there, there's um the, if i had a quibble uh and I and I really don't. I think it's an excellent movie. Um, but if I had like one thing, I wish they would have leaned a bit more into. It would have been showing some of the aftermath of the bomb. They kind of do that in a way, and I won't give away what that is. But it's not maybe to the extent that it could have been. But again, that's a quibble. I think the movie mostly succeeds in tackling the material. 
it's an interesting point because um, that's another thing I was kind of reading different uh, opinions about. Um, obviously, this you can get very graphic um, in showing the effects of the atomic bomb. And I guess it's, it's one of those things where I can understand how someone could see the movie and say, well, you should have shown more because, you know, you're, you're giving people a more realistic idea of it. But also, I also, under, I also can see why they felt like they needed to have a little bit of restraint there because it, it's one of those things where, like, there's a very fine line between handling it tastefully and going for shock value and I don't, I don't, you don't, I don't know. I don't, if a, mo- a movie like this, I don't know that you want to go for shock value, you know? Um, yeah. My thing, the other, the other kind of, I guess, quote unquote controversies, uh, if, if that's even a word that applies to this scenario that I've seen is, um, uh, you know, the, the, the testing site in New Mexico, they basically built a town and detonated the first nuke there. And to do that, there was a, there were a lot of indigenous people that were displaced, uh, which the movie does acknowledge. You know, um, you know, you, there's even a scene where Oppenheimer says, like, if it were up to me, I'd give the land back because that was wrong. Um, and I and I, I know some people have. Uh, that's been a touchy subject for some people. And you know, it's it's not my place to say, you know, how those people should feel. Um, because it's brought up, but I can also see how someone's like, eh, you know, it's just passing dialogue, it's lip service. Um, but I, I th- and that's, that, that's all valid. I, none of those critiques are not valid to me. But, um, I don't know, in my opinion, as a film, as a biopic, I, I don't know that it's some, I don't know that you want to put all these subplots about these things that didn't really involve this guy's life in there just to say you did it, you know, I don't know, that, that, you know, because this is an Oppenheimer movie, you know, I, I don't even know that Oppenheimer, there's any scenes in this that Oppenheimer himself isn't in, aside from, you know, some of the courtroom stuff with Robert Downey Jr., so, um, I don't know, I, I don't know that it would really work for the specific narrative, um, that being said, um, I'm, it's a conversation worth having, and I'm glad it's being brought up, and, um, you know, it's a bad thing <laughs> that anyone never gets displaced. And, you know, we as a country have a habit of, of, of doing that to people. Um, the other one that I, that I agree with a little more is I wish it showed more of the aftermath around the testing site. Um, because from what I understand, uh, there were people affected by the radiation uh, after that first test, um, you know, they said, oh, you know, there's no one f- for miles in any direction, but there were people that were affected, and I, 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 I would have liked that to at least have gotten, you know, a line of conversation here or there. But, um, uh, no, I, 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 I think uh, the movie was really good, and um, it, uh, it ends on a really chilling note that I think people probably need to hear. Um, it's uh, <clears throat> it's it's interesting. Um, you know, I talked in our last uh, uh, episode, the G Fest episode, uh, a point that 
I reiterated from the Godzilla Redacted panel was, you know, Godzilla King of the Monsters was made without Pentagon assistance, and it still had that, uh, you know, oh, no, nukes are no big deal kind of thing that has permeated American culture. And I, I think part of the reason I want to talk about this movie was I think Godzilla fans should see it because we... Uh, are seeing a point now where even in the Godzilla franchise, the bomb has been trivialized. And, um, and I'm really glad this movie is doing so well at the box office also, because just in our psyche as Americans, we've been hardwired to think that nukes are not a big deal. Same with how we think of guns. You know, we don't think of them as these horrible devices, really. It's just kind of ingrained in us, um, from the media that we consume that, you know, a nuke is just a thing that makes a big explosion and it's so much more and it's so much worse. Um, and that's, that's something that I think is really important for people to hear right now. Um, so the fact that it's become one of the biggest box office hits of the year, I, I think that's a good thing. I, I, I mean, you know, we talk about nuclear war as if it's like no longer a thing that's constantly almost going to kill us, but it is. Yeah, I mean, I just <laughs> there's been a lot of uh, nuclear saber rattling based on the whole like Ukraine, Russia, all that stuff, NATO, and etc. So like, it's still on the table, and it, it it's it's very much ignored for the most part. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I mean, from the second that first bomb test in New Mexico went off, it's never been off the table. <laughs> you know, that, yeah, exactly. Uh, and and, and, and we, that's what people need to realize. Including yeah, you, Toho, because, you know, Toho are weird about it now, too. Yeah, Toho gonna Toho. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Godzilla Minus One will definitely acknowledge the bomb, and, you know, maybe that's what awakes Godzilla, mutates him, whatever. But after that, I'm kind of expecting it to pivot into a story about, you know soldiers or whatever and kind of like how you know shin godzilla it, fukushima is the the allegory the the thing that creates godzilla is an allegory for fukushima but after that it becomes more about government and the red the red tape and the bureaucracy of of the government and stuff and so yeah i mean i i i, I would really like a godzilla movie to go super hard into the anti-nuke stuff uh like unrelentlessly but i don't know if that's something that i can expect it it sounds like toho kind of think of the the subject as uh divisive these days so um anyway uh it's just kind of like when Chernob chernobyl came out that's an, an excellent series too um that i would recommend to godzilla fans um uh, but yeah, no, uh, really good well, movie. Either of those things give me a backstory on Titanus Doug. <laughs> no, but you're about to get a comic book about it, whether you like it or not. I heard Kevin did like that. <laughs> he, expressed, he, is, he expressed how much he wanted to, to read that comic. <laughs> um, I, I will say, I mean, I know Nolan loves his IMAX because of the resolution and it filling up your whole peripheral view, but... The, this movie doesn't seem... I don't know. I, I watched it, and like 95% of it, I didn't know why it needed to be filmed in IMAX. So, Yeah, that's a good... <laughs> that's a good point. 
Um, I, but yeah, I mean, it was nice to see a Nolan movie I actually like again, because uh, I haven't had that in like 13 years. It was nice to uh, see a movie that took uh, the subject of nuclear war seriously as a real threat, and even say, whoops, this thing we did doomed you. <laughs> it's um, <laughs> like it's basically only a matter of time. Um, and uh, it, it's also nice to see an R-rated drama being one of the biggest movies of the year like that that used to happen in the 70s like people lining up to see the godfather stuff like that but like this is proof that like you don't need an, a big ip just like make a real movie for adults and like it can do really well it can be a tentpole it can be something like worth all of this um, so yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm happy for all that, but, uh, Matt, what would you give Oppenheimer out of, uh, you know, out of five? How many shamed, uh, uh, <laughs> guilt-ridden scientists <laughs> do you give it out of five? Uh, I, I gave it a four. I really liked it. Um, it, I mean, I, it's, it's three hours, but honestly, I, was engaged the whole time and I wasn't like man how much longer is this movie which is often the case with a three hour movie so it's a definite four out of five would recommend something that um, I don't know anybody interested in history should should check out and if you're interested in World War II atomic bombs or if you're a fan of uh, Godzilla I think it definitely is worth your time yeah and of course we uh, I, I will say I'm very proud of all of us here that uh, none of us made the hood Godzilla did you see the Godzilla prequel joke um, because <laughs> I've I've seen that in the last month I've seen it about as many times as I see that stupid Godzilla Christmas tree <laughs> throughout a whole winter so um Oppenheimer, check it out, folks. Um, anyway, enough of us blabbing about, like, people are like, where's the monsters? Where's the he heroes? Where are the bug people? Y'all ain't talking about bug people. Well, let's fix Shin that. Man. Let's fix that. So, Shin Kamen Rider, or, I'm sorry, Shin Masked Rider, um, is now available on Amazon Prime. Um which uh, Amazon seems to have a good relationship with this franchise. So like um, Evangelion 4.0, it's probably just going to live there forever until uh, the powers that be decide to remove it, at which point you will be forced to bootleg it or whatever. Um, yeah, Common uh, Rider Amazon's recently just <coughs> disappeared from, from the platform, which yeah. is yep. distressing. Yeah, these streaming... Uh, 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 services are they're they're pulling a lot of exclusive their their quote unquote exclusive stuff now, meaning it just vanishes into the ether. So, um, and that, that that's uh, that's a shame. So uh, this came out in I think March in Japan, and then here it uh, played at the end of May and early June. Uh, we all saw it then. And we intended to review it then, uh, but uh, Matt, he, who even bought his ticket, uh, fell asleep and missed uh, missed the movie. I did. Listen, sleep is is precious, and I had just had a newborn child. 
And I, I, I literally, my alarm went off because I, I came home from work. I'm like, okay, I'm going to sleep for like 30 minutes. I'm exhausted. And I just like slept through it. And I was like, well, I guess I'm not going to go see that now. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we had to wait uh, until it um, was available to watch at home uh, for Matt to see it. And now here we are. Uh, several months later, um, doing what uh, we meant to do uh, a while ago. So, um, Shin Kamen Rider. Um, this is the third, or fourth, if you count the Evangelion rebuilds, um, of this, uh, and likely final, uh, uh, Installment in this series of reboots of these famous franchises uh, um, being handled by Hideki Anno. Um, we had uh, Shin Evangelion, which was Eva 3 plus 1, 4, whatever. Um, and then there was Shin Godzilla, Shin Ultraman, and now Shin Kamen Rider. Um... And uh, this, uh, I think, is something that he was in uh, negotiation to do before Shin... I don't know, this and Shin Ultraman, like, these are both projects that I think he... There were talks about doing, like, years ago. Yeah, so he got... He basically got really close with... Uh, producer at uh, Toei while working on the third Evangelion reboot movie and basically right before Shin Godzilla came out, like a couple months before, that's when uh, he came on board to, to do basically the same thing for Toei and the, the plan was to have it be a 50th anniversary project, which they still kind of are celebrating it as that for, for Kamen Rider, even though it's a couple years late due to, you know, pandemic and, and general auto behavior so <laughs> but you know as part of this big 50th anniversary uh celebration for uh for common rider in general so that's the same thing that gave us food opi and gave us black sun which were both pretty good so um right <clears throat> and um yeah the, this movie had all kinds of crazy stuff going on behind the scenes which i imagine we'll we'll acknowledge um uh, but, uh, so, um, I, I guess this is, uh, a version of pseudo retelling of the TV series, um, and that, uh, Takeshi Hongo is a man that, uh, has been modified into a grasshopper cyborg by an organization called Shocker. And, um, well, I guess in this version, like, the, there's a scientist that breaks away from Shocker and makes him to fight Shocker. It's a little different from the original series. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's similar, a little similar to Shin Ultraman in that um, you kind of go through kind of sped up versions of different episode plot lines. And then, you know, the last third is more or less kind of more... Um, that's where it, it 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 gets into more anno specific fetishes <laughs> about uh you know this existential threat um 
But uh, in this shocker, isn't um, uh, you know these they aren't these Nazi accomplices trying to take over the world with Nazis? In uh, this shocker, is an AI system um, that is uh, basically trying to um, uh, achieve quote unquote happiness. Um, by sending people to something called the habitat realm, which is more or less like you're dead, but you're kind of like, it's almost, it's almost shown as like being like you're in a place where you're like with all your loved ones and stuff. But it's, that's, that's not actually what shocker wants in the movie. That's just what Ichiro wants. Shocker actually just wants to shove subjugate humanity. Is that what's happening? <laughs> Yeah, we, we can talk about why it's obfuscated later. Yes, the details, the details of it. It's that is what Ichiro wants. It's not what Shocker wants. Well, like, they, they, there's different motivations for different villains here. Like the Bat Guy wants to like spread a virus around. The uh, the 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 other uh, the uh, the Chameleon Guy wants to avenge the Spider Guy. Like. Um, so I don't know. Maybe I just don't feel like these are the most consistent group of villains. But yeah, basically, Shocker is a mess. Like, there's a <laughs> different factions that are kind of infighting behind the scenes, um, and that does they go, go into that a little bit more in this backstory manga. Um, but you know, I'm not expecting anyone to have to do their homework to watch a movie. I know I hate that. I, that's what turned me off about me Star the- Wars too. It's like. <laughs> You gotta watch all this and read all this to know what's going on to know who Glup Shido is, and I'm like, I, it's too much. This is too much work, people. Kevin I, said he wanted to read the the Doug Godzilla prequel or whatever to make sure that everybody <laughs> fully understands how important that character is to the franchise. Well, yeah, it's it's so that you when when I watch the GVK now I understand the the real depth to the nuance of the story than that. Um. <laughs> um yeah, I was I was surprised with Shocker because you know it's it's it, and this is an acronym for Sustainable Happiness Organization with computational knowledge embedded remodeling. But the Sustainable Happiness Organization just makes me think of Happy Science, right? So or commentary I, on those sorts of cults. I, and it, I even got that from some of the marketing and like advertising material, and um, like that that built up for a better idea in my head of like what a new version of Shocker should be, and then I don't know. I was kind of disappointed to see that it was like just another AI run amok kind of plot. I thought it was cooler when I thought it was like a happy science kind of pseudo cult. Um, because it could still be around brainwashing and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. It's like a missed opportunity, and 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 that that also reminds me, like them using like the Nazi eagle like kind of logo, like it makes less sense in this because like they aren't Nazis in the, in this version, so it it just it makes no sense in general. It's, <laughs> it feels like it was completely abandoned. So so yeah, I don't know. It's it's one of those things where it seems like it's just there is like the nostalgic imagery of it so you can like be like, "Oh, I recognize that." Um but anyway, so uh evil AI shocker um uh yeah, they they want to kind of subjugate humanity and then um we we follow Hongo and um 
uh, uh, Ruriko, is, is that her name? Ruriko? Ruriko? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah who's a, a cyborg that's kind of more like a, uh, like a, a database, almost. Um, and she can kind of, like, manipulate data. Um, she's nothing like her character in the show. <laughs> um, and, uh... uh are, are, are you saying that, you know, Anno made a, a, a reticent, stoic female character? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, uh, and, Tell and, me it isn't so. <laughs> and eventually we do get Ryder 2, um, uh, who, who comes in uh, to the story, uh, in my opinion, way too late. Um, he, like, he comes in with, like, 40 minutes left, and this thing's, like, two hours, and it's like, man, it's really late to introduce this guy. Um, anyway. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, you know, eventually they, they fight their way through various, uh, uh, kaijin or in the, for the, called augments in this version, um, until they get to the big bad who is, uh, an Anazuman ripoff, uh, <laughs> butterfly augment, um, who I, I, I believe in the original script he was Inazuman, which is really weird. Um, but that's Anno for you. Um, and, uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess we can get into spoilers later, but, uh, that's where the big final showdown happens. Um, and, uh, along the way we, uh, we learn about, I don't know. The meaning of life, <laughs> or at least I think that's what Anno wants us to feel like we're learning. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, enough of my attempt at a, a plot synopsis, and we'll, we'll just get right into uh, where we are on the movie now. Um, I'm glad we have the group that we have here. Um, I think a lot of us are a little mixed on it, but it's it's nice to have Kevin here because he's uh, he's. Um, he's our, he's our shin-pilled friend, and, and he can maybe make us look at things, um, uh, a little differently. Um, if anyone listened to our absolutely chaotic Shin Ultraman review, he managed to talk a drunk Tom into up, <laughs> upgrading his score of the movie. <laughs> so, uh, so no, it's, it's, this is a good group to, to have this discussion, um, so uh yeah enough of my rambling um i uh i'll start with matt because he probably is the newest to this movie uh what what did you think of of the the film um i was hoping to enjoy it more than i did uh i I, i'm not gonna say it's bad like there are some things about it that actually i really liked um the the biggest i think frustration for me is that when we're doing when you have Shin Kamen Rider and they do all of the live action stuff and it's actually people in suits and doing stunts and things, I actually think it's fun. When they decide to go full CG, it's the CG is so poor that I actually found it really distracting. And being a fan of like, you know, Japanese movies, I'm pretty forgiving when it comes to, I think all of us would be, would say that we're pretty forgiving when it comes to effects. I'm not. I'm not looking for the best Hollywood, uh, you know, polished effect or anything. But I, I just found the the go between when they were cutting from clearly actors wearing suits to all the crazy, you know, karate combat fighting, jumping across 
buildings and things that had no weight to them at all to be really distracting. So that, that was kind of my initial beef with it. Um, didn't love the characters a ton. Um, I really, really liked Wasp. I thought that entire piece of the movie shined because by the time that you get there, <coughs> Wasp's bond with the, our female protagonist, and I forget her name, forgive me. Um, I actually thought, like, I was like, oh, that actually feels pretty heavy. Like, they were, they were actually friends, and now there's choices being made. They're going to pit them against each other. And they have a very, it's a very solid dynamic, and I thought that part of the movie shined. I felt that a little bit, in the end of the of the film with the, the butterfly, but not quite as much. Um, but like, I don't know. It was, it was fine. Like I didn't, I don't hate it. I didn't love it. I kind of found it to be a little middling. Um, I would put, I would put it probably below Shin Godzilla. Um, I, Shin Ultraman has been my favorite. I really enjoy, I, I enjoyed Shin Ultraman. So I think it's a step down from Shin Ultraman. And also, uh, Ano needs to just stop rehashing evangelion <laughs> like by the end of every movie that he does um it it's just a bit tiresome and i you know i don't think there's anything added here that makes it worth rehashing again that i'm, I'm kind of curious about but uh i mean we, we can talk spoilers i guess uh in terms of where the which pieces specifically you find to be derivative of Evangelion because I, I was talking with one of my Evangelion friend uh, fan friends and you know offhand mentioned something that was in the movie he's like ah clearly he's putting Evangelion things and like oh well that, that was in the original Common Rider so, uh, oh so well, Evangelion well, uh, got a Common Rider that's that's even more typical of Hano. for me yeah, um, I, think, I think we can save it for the spoiler discussion yeah oh yeah like we'll, we'll save it for energy. yeah we'll, we'll 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 table that for a moment um, Lex Lux let's let's hear from you I mean um, I went into this hoping to like it um, I wasn't really a, a huge fan of Shin Godzilla. Um, I liked Shin Ultraman. Okay. I, I thought it was a good time, but it was still kind of middling at points for me. Um, I watched a little bit of the original series, like the first like 13 episodes, I think, um, on Tubi, uh, just to kind of get myself primed before I went into seeing this movie because I, I wasn't really familiar with the original series. And uh, I was glad I did that because it kind of gave me a, a nice frame of reference at least for the first half of the movie um since basically when we i got there i I ended up watching what amounted to a compilation film of what felt like the those first bunch of episodes of the series um which uh uh walking away from it i i kind of really liked but also disliked in the same way i i liked and disliked that about Shin Ultraman feeling like a compilation movie of Ultraman episodes. Um, but overall, um, I'm kind of with Matt. It's, 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 it's a middling movie for me. I enjoyed parts of it a lot. And then there's other parts of it that I absolutely don't like, um, which again, we'll get into spoiler territory on those later. So, um, I'll just hand I'll hand this off to Kevin. I think I think Kevin has the the highest esteem of this movie. Out of yeah. the three of the four of us here. Yes, uh, and Kevin Kevin's a more of a veteran common writer fan also. So uh, yeah, Kevin, let us uh, 
give us your perspective and you know um what what about this movie like really i guess uh worked for you clicked with you you know uh i mean again i think it's it's partially watching it as as a remix seeing it as a cover um not trying to to view it purely as a as a, as an isolated work although like my wife saw it as completely like fresh eyes and she really liked it um because there there are elements in it that uh i think work well enough on their own um but from my perspective just kind of seeing like oh okay so this is the thing that is taking from this piece and this is the piece that it's sampling from this piece and kind of how those pieces are, are put together that was what i enjoyed about it and kind of you know the same way that i enjoy watching i don't know a tarantino movie that's kind of what i'd like to get out of ano is mm-hmm. seeing him, him remix existing pieces of, of things that uh we already know um so that's that's what jive with me the most i think that there are a lot of flaws in this compared to the other um two live action shin movies um i'm, I'm not going to even count shin evangelion because i well, I mean, if, if I were to rank them, I would say, you know, Shin Godzilla is the one that feels like the the most well-constructed to me, um, followed by Shin Ultraman, then Shin Kamen Rider, and then finally the the, the fourth Evangelion movie. Um, so, but, you know, Shin Godzilla is much more an original creation, whereas the last three are kind of all much more in that space of being... Uh, a remix compilation kind of retelling of the stories that have t- come before. Shin Godzilla feels the most like a real like movie. It feels it feels yeah. you, you know what I mean like it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like something that like a fan made like it it's not like a homage piece or a best of or anything like that. It and that that's where, you know, I'm not I'm not a big fan of that movie, but it's where like okay, this is this is why it's it's so much more coherent <laughs> than there, the there's others. There's a lot less of like stuff that you're supposed to look at and remember and granted it does have a lot of stuff that you're supposed to look at and remember from real life from the Fukushima incident. Yeah, stuff like that. From, you know, previous Godzilla things. Yeah. So that I think makes it, you know, a, a more a, a better like work of art in general. Um, but you know, getting getting back to, to to Shin Kamen Rider, like I can also sense in this that this is where like Ano is maybe a little bit lacking on like having a collaborator like Kaguchi on board to kind of filter him a little bit. Um, yeah, because <laughs> I was thinking like the last movie that he directed, like really directed, was Cutie Honey, and honestly, this really has a lot of similar um, vibes to Cutie Honey for me um, in terms of being kind of kind of manic. Yeah, so. you know, I was going to I, I I'm glad you said that. I was actually. I have a screenshot that you of something you said in our group chat, like when this came out in theaters here, and uh, you you kind of alluded, you you pretty much just said it, but I screenshot it just for this podcast because 
you bring up a really good point, and um, I, you know what, I, I'm going to save it because we're still going through our initial thoughts. So I'm going to save that. We're going to address the anno in the room momentarily. I'm really but curious what I said now. It, it's more, it's more or less an elaboration of what you just said, but I really yes. liked the way it w- was worded, and I was, and I'm going to give you like the platform to talk to this because I think it taps into something. Um, anyway, continue. Oh, um, yeah, I, that, that, that was kind of like where I was, where, where I was coming from in terms of just like, it, it does feel like it suffers a little bit from, from that being maybe a little less focused. I, I agree that there are, uh, definitely some, some, uh, sloppy CGI moments, but I also kind of wonder how much of that is just deliberately being cartoony with things um, in the same way that Cutie Honey does. Um, and how much of that is just really this weird kind of attempt to emulate the uh, the the lack of, of realism in favor of just dynamic action that you get in those old toy shows. I I admire that thought, but I don't know. I don't think, I don't know. I just, I don't think Japanese CG is really just, I don't know. I, I I, like cutie honey just seems like such a more deliberately wacky experience. (laughs) You know, this is tonally it, this, this is a little different, but aesthetically I definitely see, the comparison. I don't know. I, I love that. I, I actually do love that you want to give them the benefit of the doubt there, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just too cynical. <laughs> I, I just don't think that was the intent. That, I mean, that's fair. I, uh, I, I want to oh, go ahead. Well, I just, I just want to chime in and say like with the CG piece, if you watch a movie like Parasite, like Parasite's CG, obviously very different, but it's, very anime in style you have a bunch of these crazy creatures fighting and it's 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 very zany that comes off a lot better than this does because it's it's taking the approximation of humans making them fight with like no there was basically moments where they go from having real weight and slowness of movement mm-hmm. to like extremely cartoony and it just sort of t- took me out of it yeah well we also know that there was a lot of stuff that the the action director well, filmed we'll definitely talk about that yeah when, <laughs> when you get to the anno in the room for sure yeah there there's a lot of stuff that the you know he made them film a lot of these fights probably the tunnel one is like the notorious one where they filmed it like live action multiple times and then he just replaced it with cg anyway so I don't know. The, the, that guy's a mess, but um. yeah, I mean, it's it's funny you bring up Parasite because you know Parasite and Shin Kamen Rider both have effects by Shirogumi, so you figure there's probably a number of people that were on both projects. Um, but you know, again, how much time each one of them are given, how much budget each one of them are given, could be all sorts of variables. Yeah, on, yeah, all, that's true. You know, just on top of artistic vision or, or whatever. Uh, I, I guess the last thing I wanted to touch on, and this is this is getting long into you know potential spoilers and we can elaborate when we get there. Um, I do think that this is interesting in terms of the Shin movies and that this is the one where within the context of the movie itself, 
I think the title comes into into play a little bit more um, because you can you can be like, okay, what common rider is the Shin common rider? Um, there's that that's a question within this movie as opposed to like Shin Godzilla. It, there's there's only one Godzilla in that you know mm-hmm. Shin Ultraman. There's one Ultraman. Uh, in in Shin Shin Common Rider, there's a little bit more of what is it to be common, so to speak. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I guess I'll I'll um, give my uh, my my initial takeaways. Um, I'm more I'm more uh, with Matt and Lux in that um, I this is this movie is a really a mixed bag for me. Um, I I find it a frustrating experience. Um, I don't think any of, any of, any of, any of the rest of you guys said this, but, uh, of the, of Shin Godzilla, Shin Ultraman, Shin Kamen Rider, of the three, this actually is the one where I like the characters the most. Um, I I like the leads uh like I don't know Hongo is a little weird but I I feel like I spend more time getting to know him than I do Yaguchi and Shin Godzilla who's just government ambitious government guy who is kind of just always right about everything and just everyone trust him cuz he's great and then um Shinji and Shin Ultraman, who, you know, very early in the movie, he just kind of taken over by the Ultraman, and he's just kind of a blank slate. This guy, while a little one-note, um, I enjoy his interactions with the, 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 the rest of the characters more than um, those previ- the characters in those previous films. Um, uh, uh, I especially... Um, uh, I really liked um, Ichimonji in this, Kamen Rider 2, um, and I liked seeing the two of them together, uh, which is why I think it's it, it was a mis- It's just not great storytelling to introduce that character so late when there's like a half hour left. I really wish they introduced him earlier and we got to see more of, of the, the two of them Um I liked R- Ruriko a lot uh, in this, but she gets fridged like halfway through, and it's like, well, damn. Um, so I, I actually enjoy the characters in this quite a bit. Um, um, my 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 bigger problems are just structurally, it just doesn't seem like it's really telling a whole story. I mean, it opens like in kind of media res, which I usually like, but then when it's explaining everything, it's all done in exposition and dialogue. And, you know, it's kind of the, I, I prefer when movies show and not tell everything. Um, and this was a, this movie had a lot of show and don't tell. And that's just not how I prefer to take my stories in. Um, and yeah, I mean the, the, the suits and stuff were cool. Um, but the, the fight scenes themselves, you know, uh, there was a lot of shaky cam and a lot of bad CG, and it's like, man, someone like, you know, Ruhei Kitamura or someone could do something so much cooler <laughs> with these fights. You know, the the scene at the end when they're fighting Butterfly Og, and it's him and Hongo, and, like, they're just, like, rolling around on the floor for, like, five minutes. Um, 
Uh, and yeah, I, I didn't quite care for Shocker in this. It's not even that it's different from the original. It's just, I don't know. I, I just, I realize AI is a relevant and very real threat right now, but, you know, we've seen AI run amok all the time. Um, uh, and yeah, there's just a, a lot of stuff that I, I don't feel like it really uh, explained well. Like, I haven't seen the entire original Kamen Rider series. I have seen... Over the last year, I've, I've kind of been, like, watching it here and there. And uh, I, I, I found a list of, like, all the big episodes with the big events, the big story arcs. So I, I, I've watched a good 40, 50 episodes of it. So I, I know the general story from beginning to end, and I've watched all the big events and stuff. So I'm familiar with the characters and everything. And, like, I don't know. I, I like the characters in the show more. Like, uh, the show... Like, I know what Hong, Hongo, it, who he is and what he does outside of being Kamen Rider in the show. You know, he's a racer. I know, uh, I know where he hangs out. I know who his friends are. Um, and in this, he's just kind of, you know, you don't really know anything about him other than he's Kamen Rider. And um, I, 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 I think the, the movie does kind of tackle the, like, okay, what... What is Common Rider? What what should Common Rider do? What does it mean to be Common Rider? But with Hongo especially, I just never really felt that he had the arc of like because he's a reluctant hero. But I never really felt like you know he says he wants to protect humanity. He says he wants to be a hero, but I never really get that moment where I buy into it from him. He just always seems like he just doesn't want to be doing what he, what he's doing. Um, Another re reason why I like Ichimanji in this, because he's like, yeah, I'll do it, whatever. Um, and yeah, that man, that CG is just is just bad. Um, but yeah, I, I I just it's just very disjointed, and I I think um, I, I I know some people who aren't weren't familiar with Common Rider who walked away loving it. Um, like Kevin said, Amanda really liked it. She hasn't seen it, but. I also know some people that aren't familiar with Common Rider that walked away just being like, "It what? Like, what did this mean?" And I'll be like, "Well, if you watch the show, you know this." And they're like, "Well, I've never seen the show, and this is supposed to be a reboot, so I shouldn't have to be familiar with the show to understand the lore or the whatever." And I get that, and so that's why, as a reboot, I don't know that it quite succeeds because there's some stuff that I kind of feel like you need to already. Um, you need to be familiar with in Common Rider to know, <laughs> you know, like the fact that wind powers his belt, you know, stuff like that isn't really explained in the movie, but it's part of it. And so I, I, I just think Anno kind of dropped the ball there. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I wish I liked it more, but I, there are some things I really like. Like I said, the characters are mostly a win. Uh, in comparison to the other Shin movies, I think of of the 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 big ones. Uh, I think Shin Ultraman is still my favorite, even though I have some issues with it. Um, Shin Godzilla is probably the most competently made and definitely the most coherent narrative. Um, and it, you know, it feels like a full movie. I like to walk away from a movie feeling like I ate a full meal, and um, you know, this movie feels more like I ordered a sampler platter. Where it's like, oh, the mozzarella sticks are great, but the chicken tenders are really dry, and the onion rings are undercooked. But you know, the chicken wings like are really good. 
you know, and and so that's that's where I am on 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 Shin Common Rider. Um. So with that out of the way, let, let's talk about the Anno in the room. Uh, this was a tumultuous <laughs> production. Um, as we said before, Anno and the uh, the direct uh, the action director, the the you know the second unit that was doing all the fight scenes, uh, just didn't clash. Anno, you know, they would film scenes and Anno wouldn't like them or they wouldn't approve. He wouldn't approve them for, you know, asinine reasons, and he'd make them film over and over and over again, and then the then you know replace it with crappy cgi anyway <laughs> you know i think the tunnel scene it was especially towards the end where they're fighting all of the common the the clone riders or whatever was filmed a few times and then i know just was like i just did the whole thing in cg anyway um the actors were all being driven crazy by this man um to the point where, like, they basically stopped promoting the movie in Japan. Uh, you know, um, uh, Japanese Twitter was, you know, saying, you know, Anno was, a, a, you know, calling him an abuser because, like, there's footage of him, like, berating, like, the action director to the point where the, the guy quits on the spot and Anno, like, has to, it, like, cries and, like, comes back to him. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, come back. Um, there's a story about how he was hours late and then one of the actresses was like you know annoyed and he yelled at her for having a bad attitude um just he's notoriously difficult to work with but uh this is also where i want to get uh back to what kevin was saying like shinji higuchi is usually like the guy that's like okay uh like guys I know he's an asshole, but, like, let's just get through this. <laughs> like, he, Higuchi is usually the guy that, like, smooths these things over. Uh, he didn't have Higuchi here. Um, and, Kevin, you said, you know, he just really didn't have any of, of the real collaborators that he usually has. Now, uh, the, the screenshot I have that you said, and, uh, and I think this taps into a problem with this movie, and then there's a bigger conversation about Anno to be had as well after this. But you said, so I was considering how this feels more like Cutie Honey than other Anno movies. Then I remembered Anno hasn't actually directed since Cutie Honey. And it's been Higuchi and Suramaki doing that for him. And um, I feel like some of that you're maybe exaggerating for comedic effect. But I, I, I think... You're getting you're you're getting to something. Um, does this man have the capability to be the sole auteur of a project without it kind of going to hell behind the scenes? And obviously, and and you can see some of that some of that in the final product. Um, but that really kind of got me thinking, like, how much. How, how much praise has he actually earned? Or is he kind of just taking the credit for a lot of other people is well, my question. 
this this raises a, a you know a, a thing that came up actually in in one of Tom's comment threads uh, where somebody was like I I can't I can't believe that the the same guy wrote this the the wrote Gunbuster and I'm like hold on Gunbuster was written by Toshio Okada and Hiroyuki Yamaga and like. Yes, Ano being the director was very involved in it, and he contributed a lot to the script. But like, when when people just assume like, oh, well, he's he's the he's the guy who who, who did anything like that, kind of uh, obfuscates what's what's really going on with the reality of the situation. You, you know, that was that was a quite messy production, honestly, because you had multiple voices. You know, Okada's the guy that was like, this needs to be a, a hardcore sci-fi thing, whereas Yamaga was the like, no, this has to have lots of pretty girls in it, and then Ana was like, I want giant robots. And uh, the fact that we got an, an, as an amazing a production out of that as we did is kind of incredible, but there were points when, like, he would just tell Higuchi, like, storyboard stuff, we'll figure out how we make it, <laughs> we make yeah. it fit in later. So, like... That can be serendipitous, uh, but it can also be complete and utter chaos. And uh, relying on that, especially once you get into these bigger studio projects, you know, when you're when you're a bunch of kind of like nerds that are working together on not as tight timelines, and you're not dealing with actors on contracts for you know live action filming and things like that you can get away with a lot more than you can get away with on a, on a live action film set. So I think somebody like Higuchi, who's a little bit more uh, honed in dealing with studios um, as a, as a director uh, can maybe smooth over a lot of the problems that you can get in, uh, in these kinds of projects. And you know, having collaborators is uh, there's so many people that you know you look at. You know, similar deal. I think George Lucas is very similar to Hideaki Anno in mm-hmm. terms of it, both of them are highly influenced by the media of their youth. Uh, and I think that George Lucas, when he stopped having as many collaborators and as many people to kind of challenge some of his ideas, um, the the quality. Suffers. He wound up he he wound up being so admired that he was surrounded by yes men, yes, basically. Exactly. And um and yeah no and and I, that's another like I've I've compared Ano to Lucas a lot and that I think they're both really creative guys, but they work best without complete control uh, and they work best with the right collaborators to help them and um. You know, I, I, it's weird in that, you know, as much as I'm not a fan of really any of the Shin stuff or, you know, the rebuilds, like, the original Evangelion series and End of Evangelion, I'm probably the, well, Lux might give me a run for my money. Usually I don't have Lux in the room here. Um, but I, uh, like, I'm a, I'm a bigger fan <laughs> of it than most people that I know. I, I love it. I love it so much. But like you know the, the the that thought you know that your that message that you sent Kevin, um, 
that thought got me looking at like the credits on that series and even on End of Evangelion and it's like there's multiple writers, there's multiple directors. Anno didn't write or direct all of it. You know, he had really strong collaborators to um, really focus and, and, you know, morph his ideas. And I think that he's that that's the kind of person that he is that we're we're you know i and that that's why you know to see him getting to have having a such a rabid cult like following um the same way someone like Zack snyder does it, it is kind of crazy to me because it, it just doesn't feel like it feels like he's he's getting credit as the sole person behind all of these things like you said gun gunbuster for instance and um and 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 I think this shows where his weakness is, where he doesn't have a lot of those usual collaborators that can like help him get through a production with his head above the water. And here we have people quitting and having to be begged to come back. You have a, a cast that's basically distanced themselves from this project. That's it was a big tentpole studio film, and it's like behind the scenes, everything kind of just went to hell. And um, uh. Yeah, I, you know, it, it makes me question, you know, how much of all this the Ano stuff we love is the genius of Ano, and how much of it is, no, he just had the right guys to kind of like make his ideas better. Um, the George Lucas comparison is very accurate. And, and you know, we talked about this quite a lot in the, uh, the the rebuild of Evangelion episode, but the documentary that came out when that came out that kind of showed what was going on at his studio. And <laughs> yeah, it was madness. Like, oh, are, are we working today? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, yeah they, people would show up to the office and be like, we don't know if we're supposed to work today. Like, he's not here. <laughs> and, and you know, it, it, it's also, I, I, I think it's worth mentioning, you know, Shin Godzilla is, uh, you know, my own personal feelings on it aside, it's become one of the most praised critically uh accepted godzilla movies uh, it's got a really strong following and most of them view it as anno's godzilla and while he wrote it and developed it um i mean in in the information we've learned since then even from higuchi himself is that a lot of the days shooting that he wasn't even on the set you know, so it's like I kind of, in my head, it's more of a Higuchi project than an Anno project. I, I mean, if Higuchi's the one that was on set most of the time doing the actual directing, he's the director, in my opinion. And so, yeah, it, it just seems like, I don't know, people, he, he's he's just got a lot of loyalists that really want to kind of see him that way i guess i mean that that also brings me kevin to something that we talked about we talked about it when we talked about shin ultraman we also talked about it privately when the movie came out but we were we were i remember there was a day we were looking at like reviews of shin common rider and there were i don't know we found a handful of them that were just like anno's you know astute attention to this and his commentary on that in this scene and that scene and like we were talking and we were like this is literally just stuff from the show <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. you, you know <laughs> you know he, he like getting all this credit as this genius filmmaker and you know 
it's stuff that he's just lifting from a 60s television series. Um, oh, I mean, that's, that, that's par for the course. Like, yeah. that's, that, that's what he does. Yeah, yeah, but... Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's interesting to just see how this project was so crazy um, compared to, you know, Shin Godzilla, Shin Ultraman, which I know he, he didn't direct, but he did do a lot of other things on Shin Ultraman. And um, yeah, I don't know. It, it makes me kind of just question how, how much of a quote unquote auteur you know, he really is. I, I just, he needs people, he needs a babysitter, <laughs> I guess is what I'm trying to say. And when I originally walked away from this movie, um, I remember even in my letterbox review, which I talk about how much I felt like there was Evangelion, and we can, I'm trying to segue into that now as well, but I talked about how this felt like a lot of it just regurgitation of of Anno's stuff that he'd done before and how he kind of just, he's taking all of these ideas of things that he loved when he was a kid, trying to mash them all together in the toy box. And we still end up with the same sort of product. And it's this kind of weird Anno's version of not even Gellion, but it's now Shin Kamen Rider or Shin Ultraman. And it felt like with Shin Ultraman and Shin Godzilla, he had Higuchi there to give it more focus. Whereas now that it's just him on this movie, it feels more chaotic and there's less focus and more of those tangents are seeping into it to make it make less sense as one coherent piece. Um, which, if I'm like I said, I'm trying to tangent into why. And, uh, and try and explain to Kevin why I think and why other people think that this shares a lot with the aesthetics uh, of Evangelion um, more so than um, Shin Godzilla but similar to where uh, Shin Ultraman had some of the same aesthetics that um, and it's like it's, it's, it's like Anno feeding off of uh what he loved from Common Rider as a kid, and then bringing it into his own version of Common Rider, but at the same time, that becomes Evangelion, which then is fed back out as a version of Common Rider Evangelion. It's very strange, but I promise I'm going to try and explain this. <laughs> um, so, we talked about a reason why Kyle doesn't like. Uh, Hongo in this movie is because he's this reluctant uh, protagonist. He never feels like he really wants to be doing what he's doing. He is um, this character who is traumatized by a past event that has to do with his father and that traumatic event has now thrust him into uh, an existential, existential crisis where he feels like he has become a monster with no uh, agency over his own actions. He's been thrust into this uh, world-defining, uh, save-the-world plot against his will. Um, and part of the reason that that, that happened is because 
and the the uh, the scientists uh, they they say this to him in the shack at the beginning. It says he, they chose him because they felt like his past uh, trauma with his father made him the best choice to be the writer. So he ends up being Shinji <laughs> from <laughs> Evangelion. Uh, he's got all this trauma, and he is trying to process that trauma as he fights each of these successive um, augments who are not angels, they're augments here uh, and each successive one that he encounters uh, is a trip on his specific hero's journey uh, to accept his new role in being the savior of mankind even though he's reluctantly doing so um, we get a scene right after um, that augment is killed where he's walking into a train station and well it's not in here it's a uh, it's more of like a junction like a train yard um, but the uh, the analogous scene would be at a train station in Evangelion early on where Shinji was going to be leaving Tokyo and Misato comes to meet him at the train station and he decides to stay and they have they have that conversation there. The same thing happens in this movie at this train yard where he walks up to uh, Ruriko, who is, again, she's an exposition machine in this movie for me, but she's kind of a stand-in for Bisato in a lot of ways as the trope and and as she kind of becomes Asuka a little bit later too. Um, but she walks up to him at this train yard. They have the scene where they're looking across the train tracks at each other. He explains, Hey, I I am, I'm accepting this. I want to be the savior humanity. And then she's just like, okay, it's good. You made your decision, which is almost exactly like what Masato says in that scene. And then they just walk away to, to the next scene. But, um, that's, that's, that's again, that's, that's just one thing. Um, and I just watched a movie just before this, so sorry if I'm a little bit fragmented. I'm trying to remember everything in order. Um, next, you move on, and and it's you get to the middle of the movie. Um, Matt's favorite part and one of my favorite parts is the wasp bog. Um, all of that felt like the best uh, developed story in the whole movie, and that is like the very middle of the movie when they kill the wasp bog, and it feels like that's where the movie stops being the clip show compilation movie and then starts doesn't it doesn't really know where it's going to go from there and uh ruriko goes into full exposition mode from then on out and it's just exposition scene after exposition she never stops telling us what's going to be happening and what matters before she dies later on um and even when she dies, she has the, the three-plus-minute exposition video that happens inside the helmet. She never stops telling us what's about to happen and what should be what's going on in this movie. Um, but Hongo, um, when this is happening, there's these scenes as he's contemplating uh, by the waterside. And there's 
it's very evocative of Evangelion because you would have those scenes later in Evangelion where Shinji would be uh, by the water side, like by uh, the by the the water, and you're looking out over like a sunset, and we get those exact same aesthetics in this movie. The same, it's like shot for shot type things um, with stuff like even like sunken poles in the water by the water side, um, and then we get to the end, and which. And this might be where Kevin's thinking it's like, well, this is something that's that's actually from Common Rider. It's not from Evangelion. But they we get to the end of the movie and and we're talking about this stand-in for the human instrumentality project, which here was an idea built by Ruriko and her brother, I guess. Um and they wanted to save humanity by taking all of their life force out of their bodies and combining it all to this other realm called the habitat realm. And the way that Ruriko describes it is a place where nobody can hide anything from anybody else. So it's essentially the same as the human instrumentality project in my mind, where everyone becomes one, all their thoughts are intertwined. They become one entity, uh, a shared consciousness. and we get to the end with the tunnel scene. There's a fight with the shocker riders who, you know, would be the mass produced Evangelions from end of Evangelion. If we were thinking, and it makes me wonder if that's where his idea originally came from was the shocker riders in Evangelion to do this. Um, that that's what I was specifically getting at. Exactly. It's, and that's what I was saying at the beginning. It's like, it feels like he's regurgitating these things that he loved as a kid into Evangelion, and then he's reproducing them in here. And it feels like it's Evangelion because he's reproducing them here, but they're in the Evangelion aesthetic because it's Anno, and it's very odd. Um, well, that, so the yeah, habitat I, realm and all the Prana stuff, that is not in the, that's not in the show. Oh, for sure. Um, <laughs> And and even like the the place where uh, Ichiro Ruriko's brother, the butterfly og, hangs out, it's like totally got this very nerve headquarters feel to it. Feel to it, like Gendo's office. It, there's nothing else there but like his monolith chair. <laughs> and so when when um because uh, when K, the robot detective, who robot detectives in this for some reason, um, when when he's talking to like the I don't know, the shocker supercomputer or whatever. It even looks like that uh, big black Zele, like a uh, 2001 monolith thing. <laughs> even. Exactly. <Yeah. laughs> and, and um, which just to talk about K just for a sec as an offshoot, it's, it's cool that K is in this. I, it's just because he liked K. Um, and then there's also Jay before K, and Jay also had like the split face that looked like Kikider. I, I like all these little tiny Easter eggs that he just threw in. It's just like random crap that makes no sense being here, but he wanted it in the movie. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I just wanted to talk on why we see all these Evangelion things because it feels like this movie became Evangelion by the end with. Uh, the habitat realm basically being the human instrumentality project and um, the shocker writer scene with the tunnel feeling like the battle with the uh, 
mass-produced Evangelion units, even though it's based on the Shocker writers from the manga of Common Rider, because <laughs> they even have the same number of them. Uh, there's 11 of them, and the 12th one would be Hayato Ichimonji. So it's it's definitely a reference directly to the manga. So it's... Yeah, that's just what I wanted to get at. He's regurgitating these things, and it's coming through a lens that makes it look like Evangelion instead of um, influenced by the original product, I would say. I, I can see some of that. You know, uh, the, there are there are pieces like the, I think just having the, the Monster of the Week format at the beginning is, you know, kind of s- standard um, for for any sort of show like this and it's a good way of, of building up your main character of having them defeat multiple smaller enemies before they get to the to the big ones and then they can have their character development from piece to piece um, but yeah I, I think you know some of the points that you make are, are quite valid in terms of uh, things that are quite similar to Evangelion I do want to say unrelated my favorite scene in the whole movie is uh Right after Ruriko dies, and he has his the helmet scene, and he watches like her last video and everything, and he's he's all pouty, and he's he's trying to decide if he you know wants to go face her brother, and he's talking to the he's talking to the suits on the beach, and um, I mean we we know that they're revealed later to be Tachibani and Taki, but he's talking to the two suits on the beach, and they're giving them the pep talk, saying hey you know you can do this basically and, and talking him into it. And, and then he's saying he's going through his past trauma with his father and says, okay, yeah. And then it cuts out to a wide, the frame, it's the frame. It's just a wide shot cuts out and he just does a backflip. <laughs> I remember that was funny. And then it comes back in and, and, and then, and they ask your leg seems better. Are you ready? And he's like, I'm ready, and then they, and then it sits off to the tunnel scene, basically. <laughs> so that's my favorite scene in the movie: just a random backflip. Get in the common rider suit, <clears throat> Shinji. Speaking of uh, his whole backstory with his dad, that was weird to me because he like says what happened and why he's like the way he is, and it's because his dad was a policeman who was, like, trying to defuse a hostage situation. And <clears throat> Hongo is mad because his, instead of killing the, the, the aggressor, um, the, the guy shot him. Basically, you know, he, the, this guy has a hostage, and he tells uh, his father, you know, hey, put down your gun. He puts down his gun, and then the, this criminal reaches for the gun, shoots... Uh, Mr. Shoots Hongo Sr. And Hongo's pissed off because he's like, I wish my dad used the gun and used the power that was given to him to kill that guy, and then that way he wouldn't have abandoned me. And he says that, and I, and I, and like that's such a like wrong-headed point of view that I was expecting like later in the movie he would realize that that's like stupid and idiot and like that he was wrong but that moment never comes i believe the aggressor has a knife he has a, a yeah 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 he has a knife and, and then and then and he his dad is trying to defuse the situation he resents that his dad was trying to defuse it and died 
trying to be compassionate instead of using the tool that he had, which is the gun at his side, to just kill the bad guy because then his dad would still be around. Which right. That would be... That would be Hongo's, like, selfishness talking, because he admits that that's selfish. Yeah, basically. but then, like, he never but has that... He immediately says, <laughs> but I am going to use my power to put a stop to this. Yeah, I, I thought he would have some moment of clarity where he's like, oh, my dad actually did the right thing. Yeah, it's like he has this moment of clarity <laughs> and then immediately says the wrong thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, his, his story arc seems to be, like, at first he's he's mortified by, like, how... He's very brutal and like covered with blood after he fights. Yeah, he has the, the the Shinji scenes where he looks at his hands constantly, and he's like looking at his hands and the blood on his hands. But yeah, eventually it's it's him coming to terms with it and just deciding that like maybe this isn't so bad. Yeah, so I guess like I don't know the movie is saying like cops should kill more people. <laughs> It's really like I I I would th- look. I I mean, I, we don't need to disclose our opinions of police, but I would. I, I, I don't think that's really what Anno's going for. No, I but it, it's one of those things where it's one of those things where like, how does he like? I don't know. You 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 go back to a script that you write and you touch it up. How do you go back and like not resolve that weirdness? <laughs> Like it, like and and I even wa- like I even like made sure when I watched the movie again to like rewind that scene and like look specifically at like what his dad does and it's probably how cops are or should be trained to handle a situation like this. <laughs> you know, it's like you know you you don't want to uh, uh, you, you 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 like his dad is doing like everything that he probably should be doing to de-escalate a situation and then Hongo's right. like what a dumb piece of shit I can't believe it now I don't have a dad but yeah and then That's he's it. like I'm, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go kill the bad guy now but, <laughs> but at, in the end he does have his moment where he has compassion because he, he does the, the putting the helmet on Ichiro's head and Ichiro's mind has changed and he's like well it's like Aren't you? It's like you used up all your pout, your prana. It's like you used too much. You're going to die, and if and he's and Ichiro says says that, and he's like, yeah, even then you're you're still compassionate. Like you're gonna stay here with me, and, and he's like, you know, Hongo's like, yeah, of course. <laughs> it's like so. It's like he made the right decision in the end, but the whole the whole idea before that was he was going there to kill him. Um. Every character with parent issues dies. You notice that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's another Evangelion thing. Um, uh, in general, I thought the ending was a little I, I, underwhelming. I, I didn't feel that it really gave me uh, a visceral or emotional catharsis. Um, like I said, the fight itself is a little, I don't know, they fight a little bit, and it's not the most coherently edited, and then they kind of roll around on the floor. The fight is very weird. Like, Ichiro's fighting style, is, it makes no sense. <laughs> and then, he fights um, like a monkey. Yeah. And then um, the emotional catharsis I didn't feel, because it's just kind of like, so Ruriko has more or less uploaded herself into the helmet he puts the helmet on butterfly man 
and he sees her in there and she's like, hey, can you like stop being a dick? And he's just like, uh, okay. No. <laughs> and, and then like he realizes like he doesn't need to. And then, um, and then that kind of like solves that. And then Shocker is still at large. Like the main threat of the movie is still ongoing and, I don't know. I imagine that Tohei were hoping for sequels. I good luck getting this cast back. Um, I don't know yeah, that a sequel had, is going to happen. Up, <laughs> he had set up a sequel. He even had a title for a sequel. Yes, I yes. We have been threatened with sequels to this and Shin Ultraman. I don't know that I think either of them are going to happen. God, um, I hope not. For for different reasons. I, I think this. I, I think everyone is just like kind of done with him. Um, but yeah, that was a, that was a, still a like. There was a proposal for a sequel. Yeah, yeah. Even though I like Ichimanji a lot more than Hongo in this movie, I still don't want a sequel. <laughs> but I yeah, it, that there's enough there. You know, I mean, obviously you could do Con Rider V three, Con Rider X. Blah, oh blah, yeah, blah, 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 you like, can well, keep doing. I feel all, like they would actually stuff. do something with Shocker in the sequel because. Like we said, Shocker is just in the first half of the movie, and then they abandoned Shocker completely for the whole plan that Ichiro was doing on his own. It has nothing to do with Shocker. <clears throat> yeah, I. Uh, it's we. It's a weird decision. It's kind of like if the Dark Knight ended without the Joker being captured. Like it's really strange. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I hate when movies assume that there's just going to be a sequel, and you know, this this definitely did that to the to the extent that I don't feel like I, I didn't walk out of this feeling like any resolution or <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, I you know to to put it to the to the to the Batman comparison, you know, it's it's kind of like the ending of Batman Begins, Begins. where it's you know. The, the scene that's lifted from um, year one where it's like, oh, there's the escalation. Now there's new bad guys out there doing new things. And Batman's yeah. like, okay, well, I can go off and be Batman now. And the idea is that he will continue to always be Batman. And I feel like that's a similar deal with, with Kamen Rider. Like his, his battle will never end against this this ongoing threat of the yeah. shock organization. I just would have liked it uh, buttoned up a little more. Like, I don't know, Batman Begins, Ra's al Ghul is the main threat, and he's taken out, but, you know, you still have other problems. Like, I don't know, I, I wish it was a little more adjacent. Um, now, uh, I know the uh, whole thing where Hongo is in the helmet is actually from the manga, correct? Yeah, so I mean, Hongo dies in in the manga. He's he comes back killed. though, right? Well, he yeah, dies. He's, he's, he goes in the killed. helmet, and then he comes back. He's killed by the the Shocker Riders, and, and is basically like a a brain in a jar for the rest of the story. D- does he come back as like a full rider after no. that ever? Okay, so he's so he he's in the helmet, and a, he's a brain in the jar for the until it's over. Yeah. <laughs> Okay then. Um, uh, anyway, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. The ending is kind of underwhelming, and I, I just wish, uh, um, I don't know. I, I just wish there was more of a catharsis there. Like I said, I like walking away from a movie feeling like I ate a full meal, and you know, I don't know. This, this didn't feel like something that was a full meal to me. Um, and yeah, I mean, I gotta mention like. 
you know, we, we, so the whole movie, there's these two, uh, really boring FBI guys that kind of help them and follow them around. And at the very end, they're like, oh, my name's Takibana, and that's Taki, which who are two characters from the show, who in the show are actually, like, really fun and, like, uh, they're funny, they can be badasses, they're, like, fun to watch. Um, and in, in this, it was like, I don't know, it, it, it just felt like, that definitely felt like the, hey, like, clap and point and be happy because you recognize the thing moment. It, like, it, it was so ham-fisted, like, my eyes, like, rolled into my skull <laughs> when, when that happened. And, of course, I, some, know, I feel like every character in the original show is more fun and, and happy and is more likable and and then this version is just this weird blank slate yeah that that's dark, why i dark. yeah i i wish and that's also why i wish we had more time with the writers together because in the show they're a lot of fun together and in this they're a lot of fun together but like they just don't get they don't really have a relationship in this and like i i don't know it's it's unfortunate uh um so, so I mean, I was I was basically assuming that the uh, the one official was the the, the Takumi Saito character was was Taki from the second that he showed up because you know I'm I'm government man the government has sent me um, but then um, I felt like they were playing a bit of bait and switch with uh, Yutaka Takanuchi because um, you know he had been in Shin Godzilla playing a role similar to that and then Shin Ultraman playing a similar role to that and i was expecting you know well maybe he just like will be some some anonymous character that people can plausibly assume is the same character from the previous movies like they did with shin ultraman but nope they uh i mean i guess he doesn't wear the pin he has a beard he looks a little bit different but it is definitely like a bit of a bait and switch to cast that same actor in a similar position yeah what's up with the scene where they're walking and his motorcycle is just like following him I don't know what is up with that. <laughs> I think it's it's just that it's you know the motorcycle was made for him. It's kind of like a psychic connection. It could be like in Common Rider Black where it's like actually alive. But um, see, that would be awesome. Why <laughs> why not go all in on some of these ideas? Explore I, them. I, like, just don't address this, it. That it's just something in the background. Like, yeah, the cycle was made for walking, and that's just what it'll do. <laughs> um. So, I mean, we're kind of winding down the conversation here. Um, yeah, we're going to touch on all the memes. <laughs> what memes? I mean, there's some, some very strange dialogue choices in this movie. Uh, there is. Uh, like, what does Rurico say? Like, um, we have to do something or else it's going to get hella crazy. And it's like, what? <laughs> she never talks like that at any other point <laughs> in the movie. The, the scorpion hog is like, yikes, spikes. That whole thing <clears throat> was weird too. Like, Scorpion Og shows up, and uh, like that's like a whole thing, and we don't even see her really get taken out. We kind of like hear it, and she's not taken out by uh, by Common Rider. And then, like, I don't know that it turns out that whole scene was just like an, an excuse to show that uh, the FBI guys like can make like bullets out of like her venom or something and it's or, like kind of to show like oh they they don't always need a common rider to kill the the augment or something and it just seemed like such a weird tangent just to get to like such a minute plot detail 
And it's definitely played for comedy. I mean, it got a laugh out of everybody. Yeah. That scene was awesome, though. So, <laughs> I like that scene. I, and then I, there's I, where um, the, the KK Og, the mix of the chameleon, um, later on, his mask gets, like, messed up. And he's like, oh, no, my super-duper mantis mask. Yeah, and then he <laughs> says, uh, I'm salty. Mad salty. <laughs> I'm mad salty. Yeah, I'm mad salty now. <laughs> But I'm the, sure those the, are very accurate. Those are very accurate subtitles. I'm sure. But the two, the two most cringe ones for me was um, when where was which is uh, a weird like Shin Godzilla throwback. Like when when Ruriko's like, "You smell. You need to change your clothes." Yeah. And, and and they're doing the clothes changing, and uh, Taki brings the bag and drops it down by Ruriko, and he's like, "A female officer chose underwear. I didn't see them." And it's just like out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and then also uh, right after Ruriko dies, uh, or what? No, it's not Ruriko, but um, uh, it's Ruriko gets knocked out, I believe, in the first when they first go see Ichiro, and Ruriko gets knocked out, and he asks Hongo, "It's like, did you sleep with my sister?" And he's just like, "No." <laughs> then I have no business with you, and he just walks away. <laughs> What if so it leaves you to wonder like what if he had said yes? How would that <laughs> what would you do then? Um <clears throat> so <sighs> this is likely the end of the line for this whole Shin uh experiment of re this whole line of reboots. Um I don't. I mean, I. I don't know. I guess Kevin is the person that's been most into the into these. So I guess I'll I'll start to, with him. Like, do you want to see more of? Do you not? Would you watch more? Because we all will, even if because we're stupid. <laughs> but do you want more? Or do you think that it's like you know? Let's let someone else try some of this at this point uh i i'd go with the why not both um in that you know look we've we've had 50 years of common rider we've had a lot of different incarnations we've had almost 70 years of godzilla we've had a lot of different art incarnations like sure let's everybody gets a gets a, a ride give a different take on these things i think it's fun to have that variety I like what I've seen from Anno, but I also like when Anno is doing things that he's invested in. So I don't want, you know, super Shin Super Sentai just because Super Sentai is the big property. I want it to be something that Anno is actually interested in. Yeah. So, you know, like something like I, I know there was a a Thunderbirds compilation movie that they were marketing as Shin Thunderbirds. Yeah, it, like wasn't it like Honestly. episodes he chose to or something? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and I think Higuchi was was working on editing them or something along those lines. But like Thunderbirds would be a good example of like that's the thing that's like a pet like fan favorite thing for him. So from that perspective, that would be a good franchise to to work on giving his his take on. Yeah. But I kind of, like, I I kind of want him to just like go if he's gonna come back. Which who knows? This is the he even said this is the first time in thirty years he hasn't had a project he's been like involved with. So mm-hmm. uh, if he comes, I I want to see him like 
do like something that's like he comes up with. I I don't want to see him just take franchise after franchise after franchise. I I want to see him like get to original work again. That's that's also entirely fair. Um, you know, it's I I think that those things could also be quite good in that I like his other stuff, but again, I like the stuff that he's made when he's in that motif of taking influences from stuff from his childhood mm-hmm. and, and kind of remixing them. Uh, the movies of his that I that I liked the least were the things like Ritual and Love and Pop, where it was right. trying to be a little bit loftier in its ambitions. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. And the, there's a certain amount of cynicism that I find that, you know, Shin Godzilla was huge, and then it's like, okay, Subaraya is asking the same guys to do Shin Ultraman. Toei is asking the same guy to do Shin Kamen Rider. And it just seems like, you know, in my head, it's like, if after Batman Begins, if it was like, oh, Marvel wants to know if you can do Iron Man Begins. Dark Horse wants to know if you can do Hellboy Begins. And it just, Nolan just kept doing that over and over and over. I would have been like, oh my god, okay, I get it, stop. And, and the, the funny thing with some of these is just because the pool of talent is, is relatively shallow in Japan, that we're seeing people re-rebooting. You know, like we talked about, like, Hiramida worked on Ultraman Powered and then worked on Shin Ultraman. And, like, Yutaka Izabuchi worked on Kamen Rider the first and is now working on Shin Kamen Rider. It's like, and then they just, like, kind of do stuff to, to be different from the last time that they did it. And that's awkward. <clears throat> yeah. I will say I liked this a lot more than Common Rider the first. I hated that movie. <laughs> those are those are I, I think you know if you, if you want to see a, a truly failed experiment, yeah. like, go look at those movies. No, uh, uh, no, I I didn't watch. I haven't seen the next, but the first man, I struggled hard with that. I ugh. and if you want like a Common Rider origin kind of thing. Common Rider Zeto is still like does everything this movie does and more in like less than an hour, and this is two hours. Like, so um, I don't know. Matt Lux, I mean, what do you guys you guys want more Shin? Where what do you, or you do you think it's time to move on from this little gimmick here or, or what? Go ahead, Matt. I'm gonna I'm gonna pledge fealty to the trough and whatever they feed me. <laughs> I'm gonna. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, I don't know. Like, part of me is optimistic that when you have people with immense talent like Ano has, that even if he were to go back to a known IP, he could turn out something that could be really, really good. And so, like, from that standpoint, I would absolutely say, yeah, let's, why not? Let's take an existing property and continue to see where this might go. Um, at the same point, I think there's validity in to say like, "Hey, it'd be great to see him take on something different." Um, I like the fact that, like, for example, Toho has been giving the reins to different directors with Godzilla. Uh, I think that's a good thing. I also wonder if, in ten years from now, when we've been through Godzilla minus one and all the other stuff, they're just going to go back to bringing the same five or six monsters back from the grave again. Like that, that just seems to be the cycle. They go through this, this pattern of we're going to do some creative stuff and then after that we're going to go back to Mechagodzilla and King Dor and Mothra and Rodan and etc. So like I will always watch this stuff um, 
my hope is we just get something special at some point. To me, that would make it worth it. So, I'm a pretty much the same standpoint. Uh, it would be nice to get something new from Ano after all of this stuff. Um, but if what we're going to get served is something that he's passionate about and he really wants to make it and it just so happens to be another one of these Shin projects um, from uh, some beloved uh, IP that already exists, I'm going to watch it and I'm probably going to find some reason to like it. Um, like even even the, the worst things that he's made, I've, there's things I like, so I, I'm always going to watch whatever he makes. Um, I, I will say um, Higuchi was asked point blank like about Shin Gamera and his responses were I already made that in the 90s if somebody's doing a new Gamera I want it to be somebody who saw my thing as a child and thinks it's old and hokey now so that's a good answer and that would be that would actually be very refreshing too it's not what we're getting but it's a good answer absolutely not <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I just see the whole Shin reboot thing as like, I don't know. It seems more like a cash grab to me than anything that I don't know. I I don't know. I don't I don't see it as like the I don't I don't know. I I know that he loves Ultraman. I know that he loves Common Rider, but I don't I don't see any of it as I I just kind of see him as going for the paycheck. At the end of the day, that's that's that is what it is. You know. We know Evangelion is like the big franchise over there, the giant cash cow, and they just Ano is just raking in all the money, collecting paychecks by doing these Shin movies. So, and and that, the that's the, the only reason that he even did the rebuilds. He couldn't get anything else made, and they, he was like, "Well, it prints money. Let's like, okay, sure. What a great way exactly. to get Kara off the ground." And. It's just kind of just I don't know I just honestly I just kind of see uh, the the whole thi- thing is him going where the money is and it's not to say he doesn't love these franchises but I I don't I don't know I I don't see this as like something deeply personal and the fact that every studio knocked on his door with their Tokusatsu franchise after Shin Godzilla was so big, hey, can you do this one for us? Can you do this one for us? It just, I don't know, I can't help but have a more cynical viewpoint of it, and I, that's, I'm not, I'm saying that as my opinion, not, not truth. <laughs> you know, it's just how I feel about it. So, you know, if, if tomorrow it was, oh, we're, Hideki is doing Shin Super Sentai or Shin the last dinosaur or something <laughs> you know I watched that I'm not gonna well, lie <laughs> well yeah that's that's kind of what I was uh, what I was saying is just like we we know that he's been a, a huge Ultraman fan for forever uh, and to a lesser extent he's, he's a fairly big common Rider fan and that's part of I think maybe what alienates a lot of people to these movies is that they do tend to be quite precious with certain pieces of the of the material to the level where it's impenetrable to people that aren't already fans. Yeah. But I also think that like we're running out of stuff that he's that passionate about. And maybe, you know, honestly of those things, like Godzilla's probably the thing he cared about the least. And maybe from that perspective it would be good. Right, yeah. That that's of the movie that that's not my favorite of the Shin movies, but it's the one that's probably the best made and it's the one that feels like coherent the other ones kind of feel like the ravings of a 
lunatic. <laughs> you know, so. I, I cannot believe after the amount of money Shin made, they never tried to go back and make a sequel. Um, that just surprises me. It is really shocking. Um, yeah, I'm just. I mean, I don't know. That, that's that's Toho's decision. They didn't want to do it. I I. I don't know yeah, what else to say about I, that. I think there's there's multiple factors at play there, you know, in terms of because they are very frugal, they probably did not want to go ahead and and green light something before the movie was actually released. Yeah, that proposal that, was that proposal went through them before the movie came out. Yeah. And, and then and, by the time the movie came out, they were already attached to other projects. And then there was also their deal with Legendary, who were in production on King of the Monsters. And, you know. Yeah. So I, I think timing is, is a big piece of that now. And, and I think the Japanese public is savvy enough that if they just did a, you know, Shin Godzilla 2 without Ano and Higuchi, people would be like, what? No. Yes. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, and I, I mean, even this movie. I mean, uh, for in common writer terms, it is the highest grossing common writer movie, but it didn't do nearly as well as Shin Godzilla or Shin Ultraman. And each one's kind of been a little bit of diminishing returns each time. So, yeah, I, I, I think well, even I think even the Japanese public are probably like, oh, it's another Shin reboot. What I, like come up with something new, man? I I, yeah. I think they're kind of seeing through it also. And this one also, like, in theaters, it, it came with this new Evangelion short, so it had, like, that extra, like, something to sweeten the pot, and it still didn't, like, uh, blow away the box office. I think it made, like, half of what... Yeah, yeah I, I, I think, honestly, I don't know. I, th- I think they're, I think people are kind of over the Shin thing over there at this point, and, yeah. you know, and that's fair. I mean, look, there were three reboots that came out, four <laughs> if you count Eva, and, I mean... You know, it doesn't need to go on forever. Um, so, anyway, um, how many uh, how many Shinya Sukamoto's dissolving into <laughs> bubble bath soap uh, do you give this <laughs> out of five? Uh, I'm gonna go two and a half. Like I said, I, I didn't I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I disliked it a bit more than I liked it, so I'm going to kind of go two and a half. Um, I can see why people would enjoy it, though. So, like, it's not, you know... I, th- I think if you went in as a common Rider fan, there are stuff, there, there are things to enjoy. I certainly found a few things, but I found it more annoying to me as a viewing, viewing experience overall. A little bit too long for what I got out of it. Um, so I'm coming in at a, at a two and a half. I'm also going to be coming in at a two and a half. Um, as a common writer, beauty, uh, I think it has some great moments, um, but it also falls flat and a lot of tireless exposition in the latter half of it. Um, I think maybe if it had stuck with um, the more showing than telling um, uh, of the compilation movie style at the, at the beginning of just the constant barrage of just fighting all of these different Augs um, and bringing in Ichimanji earlier on to help fight the Augs with him and just making that like most of the meat of the movie, it, it probably would have been a better movie for me. Um, 
So yeah, just ditch all of the back half of the movie and give me all of the front half and extend it like another half hour and maybe I would have liked it more. Um, I'll go next because I, I think it's fair that we save the most positive note is the one to end on. Um, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm at a two and a half also, a, a real mixed bag. Like I said, there are some things that I really liked here. Um my favorite of the action sequences is the whole stuff with the spider og at the beginning. Unfortunately, it's at the very that's like where it peaks for me action wise is at the very beginning and it never gets that good or better. Um I wish the action was better, I wish the CG was better, I wish the story itself was more co- more coherent. Um uh, and you know the movie's just kind of a mess, but I, I I did enjoy the characters and I enjoyed the dynamics of the characters, and I wish that um, I got more of that. Um, and there, there, so you know there there's definitely stuff here to like. Um, I I don't like it as much as Shin Ultraman. Um, and yeah, I mean it it, it wasn't uh, I didn't like it as much as I was hoping, but you know. Uh, there, there is some positives there, um, and I, I, I don't know. I, I, I just, I guess, I just wish it was a little bit more streamlined. Um, and yeah, the two-hour runtime, it, it seems like you could have tightened that up a bit. And I, I really wish Rider Two was introduced earlier. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm in a two and a half. It's, uh, it's a mixed bag. Um, but like I said, let's, let's go out on the most positive note. Um, Kevin, where are you out of five? Uh, so yeah, I, I don't think that this is a perfect movie. There's, there's no, you know, numerous flaws that we've described, but I just, I had a really good time watching it in general. Like, uh, especially like some of the early fight sequences that you mentioned, like the, the like the, the the whole sequence with the the man bat is uh, ridiculous, but like <laughs> the the way that it ends with him like flying on his motorcycle to deliver the kick, like oh that's that's so much fun. Um, I really liked little bits and pieces here, uh, things like the you know oh all heroes have to wear red when she gives him the scarf, or uh, the fact that when uh, Hongo uh, is is defeated. By Ichimanji, it's he breaks his leg, you know things like that. Like, oh, I, I see what you're doing. That's that's a fun like little little nod to top continuity, but like tying it all in with the back to behind the scenes stuff. Like, I, I I dug it. Like, kind of taking bits and pieces and kind of a little bit of streamlining, a little bit of putting in the blender. I really liked having the uh, the series of different augs at the beginning. Um, I kind of was not as big on um, Ichiro as, as the final boss, but uh, you know, I, I liked the way that things eventually resolved with you know, kind of the two double riders being combined into, into one in a way that's basically taken from the manga. Like I, I dug the way that that went down. I thought that there were a lot of kind of nice, quiet moments in the movie, also. Um, so, like. I just had a had a good time. Um, I'm expecting a lot of people to send me hate mail and tell me that I'm the worst, but uh, I I really enjoyed it. So I'm gonna go with a uh, you know three and a half, four out of five. 
All right. Uh, well, if it's any consolation, usually it's the people that don't like the Shin movies as much that get the hate mail, because <laughs> Anno fans are very, uh, they're, uh, something. That's all I'll say. I don't want to get in trouble. I probably just, I probably just blew it, <laughs> but anyway, uh, there you go, people. Finally, Shin Kamen Rider, uh, or Shin Master Rider. Why, everyone here that knows of this franchise calls it Kamen Rider. Why does Toei insist that we call it Mast Rider still? Well, what's particularly bizarre about it is that they're leaving Shin in the title at all if they're changing the common to, to Mast. But, like, yeah. and when you search, and at least for me, when I searched it, if I t- typed in Shin Common Writer, it initially did not pop up, like at all. The only thing Americans remember that was called Masked Rider was the really awful Saban version that like everyone wants to forget. So like just embrace that it's common rider, Toei. No one here wants to call it masked rider. Stop it. Okay? It's, it's one of those one of those things <laughs> like in the similar deal with like you have your factions, the people that insist that Henshin should never be translated as transform, even though it literally means transform. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we, we it, I don't know, if anyone at Toei is listening, like, us here in America, we, we don't want to call it Masked Rider. We like Common Rider, so, like, stop. Stop it. Yeah. All right. So, uh, all right, well, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's get out of here then. Uh, thank you, everyone at home, for listening, and, uh, yeah, we, uh, this was a, a fun discussion. We'll, we'll see you next time. Adios. Thank you for listening to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. Make sure to subscribe for all the latest episodes. You can also check us out on Twitter at KT underscore podcast. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Kaiju Transmissions. And you can email us at kaijutransmissions at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. And we will see you next time.